Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. When I was growing up, maybe you can relate to this, maybe this is totally not your life at all, but that's okay. Uh, When I was growing up, uh, my dad would go to the store and he would buy the off-brand cereal. How many of you have seen the off-brand cereal? So there's some up here. Uh, It actually says, I don't know how they can do this, but Walmart makes something that's called Frosted Flakes, (laughs) but it's not really Frosted Flakes. Uh, The other one says... Far Out Fruities. How many of you would enjoy some Far Out Fruities today? Right? So I promised myself as a young child, I will never get fake cereal when I grow up. I will never get the fake stuff. I'm going to get the real stuff. And then he had the audacity to go to the store and get off-brand soda. And uh, that's another one of those, like, wait, what is this all about? And so he would get, if you look here, Dr. Thunder. Dr. Thunder, and then Diet Mr. Bob. Diet Mr. Bob, uh, Dr. Pepper, I guess, doesn't exist. And then uh, the other one is Mountain Shouten. Mountain Shouten. I just, when I'm thirsty, I need some Mountain (laughs) Shouten. An ice cold Mountain Shouten. But you know what's funny is now that I'm old, uh, I get the generic stuff. Because it's cheaper, right? It's cheaper. But my point is, uh, I believe what the enemy does and what we are tempted to do is to be counterfeit of truth, right? To claim to be the authentic, but in reality, we're not completely authentic. And I think one of the temptations, now if you're not a believer in this room, you haven't prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, I'm so glad you're here because you're going to hear about what it is to be a believer and what we're called to as believers to live out. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're in this room, it's, we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not intentionally stepping on your toes, I'm stepping on my own toes. Because this is a challenge. I think this is an area that we all little struggle with, is being authentic Christians all the time, right? It's easy to be an authentic Christian here in church. There's not a lot of ways you could sin in here. There are ways you could sin, but it's not the easiest thing to sin here. But in life, there's just overwhelming number of ways to sin that are presented to us on a regular basis, and it can be very difficult to be authentically following Christ in every decision. Think about this past week. Did you follow Christ in every decision that you had? You know, Did you submit to the will of God in every decision that you had? So, uh, interesting to me, God always orchestrates things in my life during the week that lead to the message. Uh, On Friday, we had an Amazon Vision ministry meeting, which was amazing. We're going to be going down uh, the Amazon in in Brazil. We're going to be bringing food and the gospel to people, and we're excited for that. We have some nurses going to bring some medical things. It's just a really exciting opportunity this summer to be the hands and feet of Christ in the Amazon. Well, I was coming out of the store yesterday, and I was walking to my car, and this young man in a suit came up to me, and he said, "Uh, are you you legal to vote in this country? And I said, yes, I am legal to vote in this country. And he said, well, you signed this petition to legalize marijuana. And I said, do you know who I am? No. I did not do that. I was very nice. And we talked. And I said, you know, the problem I have is that uh, in, my, 
In my life, I've seen more abusive marijuana and, and alcohol that has destroyed families, it's destroyed jobs, it's destroyed so many things. It'd be very difficult for me to support something that destroys so many lives. Now, I understand there's a medical part of this, but I would be very concerned about opening up a door to something that can be so destructive. Have this great conversation. He has a very thick accent. I say, where are you from? He's from Brazil. I tell him, I'm going to Brazil this summer. His light, his face just shines. I say, well, what do you believe about life? What do you believe? Well, I believe in Jesus. I believe. And I said, you know, I know this is a job for you. I know you're doing this because you need to make money. And I get that. And it's probably harder for you to get a, a legitimate job. I get all those things. But the truth is, as a believer, we have to be very careful of our testimony. We have to be careful. I, I as a pastor, am going to be held at a high account before the Lord. And if I lead someone to stumble, to destroy their life, to do something that would devastate their relationship with God, I would carry that burden on me. And it was just this eye-opening. So I was thinking about what illustration would work. I, that's the illustration. That even though we know the truth, it doesn't mean we live the truth all the time, right? Just because we are believers doesn't mean we live out our belief all the time. And I want to encourage us as we renew our minds today to focus in on what it is to be an authentic believer. And the question I have for us is, how do we avoid fake faith? How can we avoid fake faith? When I was in college, I went to Liberty University, we would have uh, every Thursday night was a prayer meeting. It was mandatory on all of the halls. And so sometimes they would get speakers and they asked me to come speak at one of the halls. And I just said, you know, be real, be authentic, follow Christ, give him all of your life. And I remember the RA, the, the, the resident um, assistant came to me and he said, Mike, do you really believe that? What you shared with those guys, do you really believe it? Because I've met so many people who talk this big talk, but they don't really believe what they're saying. They don't live out what they say to everybody else. And I remember that stuck with me in ministry. You know, a lot of people can put on a front, but in reality, it's their faith isn't true. It's a fake faith. It's a faith that's on the outward, but not on the inward. And I don't want a fake faith, right? I don't want to be uh, everything on the outward looks good, but the inward is dead. I want to be alive on the inward. I want it to be an overflow. And I know if you're a believer in this room, you want it to be the overflow of your life, not something that you artificially create so other people think a certain way of you. And so that's what we're going to look at. And my prayer is that God would speak to each one of us individually and say exactly what we need to hear this morning. So as we go to his word, let's precede it with prayer and ask the Lord to speak to us directly. Father, you are worthy of this time. You are worthy of our heartbeats and our thoughts and our energy and our, and our focus. And so, Lord, I ask that you would direct this conversation, that the words that you've revealed, that are eternal words, would speak to us in a new way today, that we would grow, that, Lord, if we need to be um, confronted, we'd be confronted. If we need to be encouraged, we'd be encouraged. If we need to have direction, you would point us in the right direction. Lord, I pray that uh, we would truly be in tune right now that we would uh, tune out anything that is not you. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have given us the beauty and wonder of your word. I thank you that we can study it and we can show ourselves approved of your good and, and holy will. So we pray that you'd bless it now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the exciting things for me is that we do a Genesis study on Wednesday and we're doing a Roman study on Sunday and they coalesce, they come together so many times and this is one of those places. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can look at the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the origins and beginnings of things. We're going to be looking at both Genesis and Romans today, Romans chapter um, 4, but 
a little bit of Romans 2 also. But just to give you some context, because I think context is so important. You have a whole generation of people, thousand years of people that have, have built their identity in, in the one true God that separates them from all the polytheistic beliefs, all those that believe in many gods. There's this one group, the Hebrew people, that God has chosen to reveal his truth through, and he has given them very strict laws to live by, and, and they have priests that lead the people in the right direction, and they have a temple where God resides, and they have all of these elements that God has revealed his true nature to them. He's, he's revealed who he is, and, and to establish this, he chose one man named Abram, who he renames Abraham. Uh, Abram meaning a, a, a great father, uh, a, a powerful father. And the irony is, is that when God named him, or his name never really came up until very late in life, because he never had kids. And so he'd introduce himself, hey, I'm Abram, I'm a great father. Well, who, how many kids do you have? I don't have any kids. Doesn't sound like you're a great father. And then uh, he has a child, but not through his wife, Sarah. He has a child through Hagar, uh, Ishmael. And, and so he does have a son, and God changes his name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And so now he introduces himself, says, my name's the father of many nations. Well, how many kids do you have? Well, I don't technically have any kids from my wife. I do have one from her servant, and I, and I don't have anyone else. That doesn't sound accurate. <laughs> And yet God, through all of that, says that Abraham is a man of faith, and he's one we're to look at and to live our lives in relation to him. And he gives him a covenant. He gives him a commitment. And the, the, the uh, way that Abraham reveals that commitment is through circumcision. And so through many years, circumcision was the, the identifying factor that this covenant was true, this commitment that God had made. And so for all of this time, everyone was always raised, this is so important, this is so valuable. They would meet like we're meeting right now, and they would, they would talk about how God has made a commitment to us, and we need to remind ourselves of that commitment, and we need to live into that commitment. And that's where we pick up in Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 14. Then God said to Abraham... As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in the household of who you bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant is in your flesh to be an everlasting covenant. Any circumcised male who has not been any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh must be cut off from the people, and he has broken my covenant. And so God makes this really big commitment to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And he says, you will be a great nation. And today we see that, that at least a third, uh, 30% of the people on the planet can align their, their, their heritage or lineage to Abraham religiously. And so that he has a generation uh, of descendants that, that surpasses anyone else. And so God is fulfilling that promise. And the promise is that through him the whole world would be blessed. And we have been blessed through Jesus Christ. We are here because of this promise. And the outward symbol of an inward commitment, the outward symbol of an inward truth was that he was to be circumcised. And I can tell you, I grew up in the church. Uh, my dad was a pastor. Um, even in my college years, I mean, I went to seminary. I have two master's degrees in Bible. 
And I still wasn't quite sure why circumcision was so important. What it even meant. What is the purpose of this? And in studying it, I asked, Holy Spirit, please reveal to me what this means, because it's very mysterious to me. It makes little sense to me. And as I was reading, and as I was reading commentaries and listening to wise counsel, this was what was revealed. The cutting of the flesh, the bleeding of the flesh, is to say I am no longer led by the flesh. That I will no longer allow my fleshly desires, my fleshly spirit, my flesh to lead me in my life. And that the covenant of circumcision was to no longer be led by your earthly flesh, your desires, your lusts, your wants, but now to be led by the Spirit of God. And I believe it is a truth that has lived on even into us today. That in following Jesus Christ to make him Lord and Savior is to reject my own, my own lusts, my own flesh. That I am not to live by the flesh. I am not to allow my desires and wants and these things to dictate and make my identity. But that my identity is built spiritually in the Lord. And I can tell you, working with students, and we all know this, working with anyone... That the thing that draws people out of their marriage, draws them out of their jobs, jobs them out of uh, any decision into a poor decision, is their flesh. It is the flesh that leads to destruction. It is the flesh that leads to despair. It is the flesh that leads to the path of death. Whether it's death of an opportunity, whether it's death of a relationship, whether it's death of finances, whether it's death of health, it leads to death. And God makes a covenant with Abraham, and he says, here is the outward symbol of an inward truth. The outward symbol is that you will no longer be uh, uh, established in your flesh, but you will be established in your faith, and your faith is within you. And the outward symbol to you that you recognize and that the world recognizes is I am not led by my flesh. I am no longer going to serve my flesh. I'm no longer going to let my flesh dictate my identity. And so it is an outward symbol of an inward commitment. We fast forward to the New Testament, Romans chapter 2, verse 28. Here's what it says. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly only, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person prays is not from others, but from God. It's a physical representation of a spiritual truth. Do you realize throughout Scripture, God always does a physical representation of a spiritual truth? When Adam and Eve sin and they're cast out of the garden, they were given clothes by God. They tried to make their own clothes. Earthly religion, do it myself, make something good of myself, get things right by my own goodness. And so they took leaves and tried to cover themselves, and it wasn't good enough. So God had to sacrifice a living animal and make skins for them as a representation that it was only by the shedding of blood could their sins be covered. And that God, through an outward symbol, was revealing an inward truth that spiritually we're dead. And only with God's forgiveness through his own shed blood of his own son could we be covered. When Abel gives sheep as an offering over Cain's vegetation offering, uh, God is saying, uh, your works and your, your ability and, and your farm is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the shedding of blood to cover your sins. It's an outward truth, an outward symbol of an inward issue. 
It always brings us back to the inward. God gives Noah a rainbow, an outward symbol that he will never judge the world by water again. That he's merciful and patient and gracious. When we see the outward symbol, the rainbow, it should remind us of a loving God who cares for us deeply and has patience for us and has kindness for us and, and is willing to be there with us through difficult days and through victorious days. It's an outward symbol of an inward spiritual truth. It's an outward reflection of something God wants us to know inwardly. God gives them the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. One of the commandments is keep the Sabbath holy. Do you realize how many people uh, today in our country get the benefit of this outward commitment? The outward commitment that everyone looks forward to Saturday and Sunday. I look forward to the weekend. The weekend is what I live for. They don't recognize that's an outward symbol of an inward truth. That God desires one day to invite us into his home, which is the eternal Sabbath. As people in our life that we know look forward so much to the party on Friday and Saturday night, and they look so forward to the weekend, we look forward to the return of the king. It's an outward symbol of an inward truth. It's an outward reality that affects all of us. It's an outward symbol of truth and a spiritual reality. After all these thousands of years, humans still determine seven-day weeks with two-day weekends. One, because God rested on the Sabbath. One, because Jesus resurrected on Sunday. And we celebrate it every single week. Whether we consciously think of this or not, it is the reality we live in. This moment is a celebration of his resurrection. We have said Sunday we're going to say no to the things of this world and yes to the things of the spirit. What an awesome opportunity. It's an outward truth of an inward truth. It's an outward symbol of an inward reality. But the one that we recognize the most is right behind me. It's baptism. Baptism is a funeral. It's the, it's the putting away of the old flesh. It's, it's the, 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 the putting underneath the old life and coming out the new life. It is an outward symbol of an inward reality, an outward symbol of an inward truth that is spiritual. When I get baptized, I was baptized at the age of 16. I was already saved when I went to the baptistry. The baptistry was for me to reconcile with the whole world that this is what I believe with an outward reflection of an inward truth. Baptism is powerful because it's the symbol of Christ's body being put in the tomb and then resurrected. It's the symbol of I am with Christ as he went to the tomb and came out. I have victory over death because he had victory over death. I have victory over sin because he had victory over sin. All that mess that I've invited into my life, all that sin that's junked up my life has been cleansed by his blood that I have been covered completely in. There's not a part of me that I have to save. There's not a part of me that I have to get right. He got the whole thing right. So baptism is an outward symbol of an inward truth. These are the things that God wants us to build our lives on so that we will not be fake. See, a lot of people have been baptized, but they've never been saved. A lot of people have been circumcised, but they're not right with God. There's a lot of people that celebrate Friday and Saturday and Sunday, but they don't know the one who created it. It's easy to know the truth intellectually. It's another thing to have it part of your life and who you are and your heart and your soul. And so we see this. This is what we're told uh, to focus and renew our minds on. Renew our minds. Don't be deceived by a world that's artificial. It's, 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 a, it's a counterfeit all around us. Everything is counterfeit. And we need to be able to recognize those things so that we can be true followers of the Lord. 
Romans 4.9. Romans 4.9. This is the blessedness only. Is the blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstance was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? Do you see the question that Paul is posing here is, these people had been taught since childhood, if I get a perfect attendance at Sunday school and I don't drink and smoke and, and, and go to the bad movies with the people that do that, then God loves me and he's happy with me and I'm good to go, right? I obey the right rules and do the right things and God's happy with me. And as long as I obey the right rules, I know the right rules and live those right rules out, I'm okay, and that's what the Jews, Jewish people, Hebrew people do. And they're saying, I've obeyed your rules. I'm not a bad person. I'm circumcised. I go to the temple. I give a tithe. All these things on the outward I have done as God has told me to do. But there's one big problem. On the inward, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> on the inward, I may, I may have just done nothing because there's no inward reality of this outward truth. There's no inward faith or belief. It's all outward, on the outside. And he's saying, were they circumcised when they committed by faith to God? Did Abraham, was he righteous before God because his faith existed in his heart and his mind? Or was it the outward act? Because so many people on our planet are, are focused on the outward act instead of the inward truth. We need to renew our minds. What comes first, works or faith? So many people talk to me about, you know, I'm saved, I got to do good work so God will be happy with me. But they get it in reverse. Faith leads you to works. Works don't lead you to faith. Being good isn't what God's looking for. He wants us to recognize that we are spiritually dead and that only by him can we be made alive to do the good works that we've been created to do. And so this morning, we have to renew our minds on this, this truth that I'm not earning God's favor by doing good. I am part of his family. And these things that I have done are, are, are drawing me closer to him. But it's not the outward, but the inward that truly is what he's looking at. Romans 4, 11 through 12. It was not far after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. While he was still uncircumcised, so then, when his father of all who believed but had not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them, and he is then also the father of the circumcised, not only who are circumcised, but also those in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song called Father Abraham. Did any of you guys sing that song? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, turn around, sit down. <laughs> I, am not, I am not DNA genealogy connected to Abraham. I am spiritually connected to Abraham because of Faith. Faith, right? Belief. And faith and belief dictate action, right? When my faith and belief are in the Lord, then I follow the way he leads and I don't try to make my own path. And this is difficult 
because you have issues in your life that may not seem like God has given you a clear path yet in. And living by faith is not living with a a 10-year plan. You know exactly what's going to happen. It's living with a one-day plan that today I'll obey you and you'll lead me where I need to go. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put our faith and trust in the future as much as we put in eternal future? It always amazes me that people are so comfortable with saving, saying, I believe Jesus has saved me uh, of eternal hell. He set me free, but I can't trust him with this one little thing on earth. How does that make any sense? How can I trust that he saved me from eternal hell? He separated me from my sin, uh, but I don't know if he can deal with this issue at work or with this issue with my family or this issue uh, on my neighborhood. I don't, that's probably too big for him. It's too big. That stuff's too big, but heaven and hell, that's just no big deal. And it makes me wonder, do we really believe in these eternal things to begin with? What is my faith in? What do I truly believe? As we finish up Romans here for against all hope, which is, this is amazing. This is where I relate so well to the scripture because God reveals a truth that we all can identify with. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. (laughs) Basically what that said is he realized he was too old to have kids. Since he was was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The word is, the word it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He has delivered over to death our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Hope and faith go hand in hand. I almost believe that Christ calls us to be optimists. I think it's very difficult to say I can be a pessimist and believe. You can be a realist, I'm not saying be over the top, but I think at some level we're called to be optimists, to believe what no one else really believes because it seems impossible. Because all the things that happened to Abraham were impossible, that he would have a child at 100 years old, that his name would then carry on, that 2,000, 4,000 years later, whole groups of people, millions if not a billion people relate to him in some promise that God made to him. That would have been so far-fetched, so unbelievable to have heard in that day when it was given. And yet it has happened. Because sometimes God has really big things he wants to do, and he wants us to have big faith, and he wants us to be optimistic that he can do what he says he can do. Is there anything too great for God? Is there anything impossible for God? Is there anything that God cannot transform in your life for his glory? So faith, faith, if we're going to have transformational faith, if we're going to renew our minds, faith is trusting that God can do what he says he can do. And if I don't want to be fake, because here's what happens when I'm fake. Yes, I believe God can do anything, but I'm going to do it anyway, right? Fake faith is giving God the credit with my mouth, but my actions show that I'm trying to solve it without him, that I'm trying to make it work without his presence. Authentic faith is inviting the Holy Spirit to take charge of everything in your life. 
This has been such a revelation. People wonder, what does it mean when Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish? What does that believe mean? I believe that believe means that you invite him into every area of your life and believe that he's there. He's there in my marriage. He's there in my, with my kids. He's there with my job. He's there with my money. He's there with my health. He's there with how I talk to people. He's there with how I spend my energy. He's there with how I spend my time. He's there when I'm watching whatever I'm watching or listening to whatever I'm listening to. He's there. Is he welcome there? Will he reside there is the real question. Because God is holy and he is just and he is righteous. And there are certain places and things he will not go near. And so the challenge becomes, am I willing to submit to that? Right? Am I willing to say, God, you have everything. You have authority as Lord to every area of my life. Every thought, every action, every deed, you have authority. Because that's authentic faith. That's what people are looking for. Now, we stumble. Even in this passage, I, I, I look at it and I wonder, well, he did totally, didn't totally trust God because he had Hagar and he had Ishmael. But he still believed. Even in the midst of making mistakes, he still believed. And you and I are going to make mistakes, but we still got to come back and say that I am set free, I am forgiven, and I will continue to move forward no matter what. Are we willing to make that decision? Am I willing this morning to say, please, God, help me to be authentic and not fake? Help my faith to be inward, not just outward expressions. Let it be an inward truth that is reflected in outward expressions. Let the words that I say come from a place of truth, not a place of make-believe. Let the actions that I take come from a place of truth, not a place of trying to impress or make people think a certain way. It's authentic faith. And so as we come to a place of baptism, or we come to a place of the Lord's Supper, or we come to the place of an outward uh, service, an outward reflection of an inward truth, let's, let's look at our inward truth much harder than we look at the outward expression. Let's consider who we are on the inside much more than who we are in perception on the outside. Because God looks at the hearts. He doesn't care so much about what other people think of us. You're not going to stand before the judge of the universe and he'll say, well, Bob and Sue thought you were great, so you're good. No, he's going to say, I created you with a purpose. I put you there. I made you so that you would love me and love others. It's me that I wanted you to be watching. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because to understand that God is awe and wonder and great and mighty. And we'll stand before that. Today is a day of renewing our mind. Today is a day of recommitting our inward spirit, our inward faith, and saying, no, I'm going to solidly uh, define myself in the Lord today. I'm going to commit everything to him as the Lord of my life. So I'm going to give you just four ways to apply this this morning as you, as you live this faith out. First, consider your faith. Is your faith more on the outside or the inside? Is your faith something you talk about or is it something you live Do people know you by your faith, or do they know you by something else? Any growth begins with truth. I have to be truthful with me. I need to be honest with myself. What is my faith? Do I really have faith in my heart? Do I really have the faith for the future? Do I really trust in the God who's revealed himself through his word? 
We'll all stumble. We'll all find places in our life that need correction. Now we can do one of two things. We can run away from God and hold on to those things, or we can give those to God and begin the healing process. We call it confession. Would you be willing to confess, if necessary, whatever he shows you? Confess those things. A lot, place them at his feet and say, I don't want this anymore. I've held on to it for far too long. This bitterness, this anger, this hostility, this doubt, I don't want it, I want to give it to you. I want to lay it down at your feet because I believe you're a big enough God to deal with it and heal me and transform me. And I want to place it at your feet and in your time, please begin to work in my life to transform me, to give me victory. Third, I, I am such a big proponent of planning your faith. It doesn't just happen. Nothing in life just happens. If you wait for something to happen, it will happen to you. If you don't make your schedule, someone will make your schedule for you. You need to intentionally seek the God. Uh, we're told throughout Scripture, those who seek me will find me. Jesus always talks about following him on the way. He is a direction. It is a movement. You can't stand still. Uh, there are lots of paths. There's one that leads to him. There's a wide road that leads to destruction, but one that is narrow, few there that find it you got to make a plan in the morning. What path am I getting on today? Throughout the day, recognizing, all right, I messed up, confess, believe, move on. I need other people in my life. I need men in my life that are going to hold me accountable. I need people in my life that are praying for me. I need to connect with other believers so I can be strengthened. I need a plan. Can't do it alone. Can't pretend like everything's okay all the time. There are always things God wants to work in my life and transform and change and grow and mature. And then finally, I think this is so important, celebrate your hope and faith. Find ways of celebrating this. We celebrate a lot of stuff. They're going to celebrate a race, right? I'm, they, they use so much gas for 24 hours. <laughs> celebrating a race. I get that. Like, I think those things is God's way of showing us how we should celebrate heaven. When I watch football and I see people go nuts about football, I, I wish I love God as much as they love that. I wish I love God as much as these people love their sports teams. I wish I love God as much as they love their cars. I want to celebrate this victory bigger than the world celebrates its victories. And that's intentional, and it doesn't just happen. It's something we have to commit ourselves to. And so this morning... If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can. We're told if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's in charge. And that God raised him from the dead. Because if he can raise him from the dead, he can raise you from the dead. He can conquer death and he can conquer sin. So if you confess it and you believe it, then he promises he does the rest. Have you made that decision? Have you accepted that in your life? Have you confessed and believed? If you have. If you have, you've begun the most amazing journey. Today's another day in that wonderful journey. What is he doing to renew your mind today? What is he doing to encourage you in your walk today? What is he doing to, to say, look, here's where I need you to focus today? Because that's walking with him. It's like a father and a son, a father and a daughter. He constantly says, come here, I want to show you something. Come here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you do something. Here, I'm going to teach you something. You see, the beauty is it says, don't get upset when hard times comes because God chastises the ones he loves. God actually puts you through things because he loves you because he doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to keep moving forward.
You see, keep going towards him. So what is he saying to you today? What is God speaking into your heart? What is he revealing?